0: You're listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Northwest, including our gathering time, visit us at nwcbc.org. Today's speaker will be Pastor Stephen Yi. Good morning, everyone. All right. I am so thankful to be here with all of you today. Uh, Welcome to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church. Thank you for being here. It is a blessing to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, together. Uh, I I am so thankful to see you this morning. Uh, You know, if you didn't know, God is doing great things. God is doing great things here within our church family uh, within each one of you, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. God is doing great things in our city and in our state, and uh, you know we rejoice with you, dear brother and sister, when anything that you have to celebrate comes up or God provides in your life, all the different ways we are thankful for what God is doing. And uh, there's, there's a few things that I want to just point out uh, to share with you things that God, God is doing, and, and one of them, well, the first one I wanna share is that our dear sister in Christ, Kimberly Yee, was reelected as state treasurer, and so we thank God for that. Uh, we thank God for our country and for the freedoms that we have and also for our elected leaders, and so we continue to pray for you as well as all the other leaders in our country for God's wisdom, for discernment, and um, you know we're just excited for how God will continue to use you as a light Wherever you go, uh, so we're thankful for you and, and thankful to God. You know, last week we saw 30 students come together and meet here at, at our church building, and and uh, to come and to learn how to to share the gospel, to share their faith with those that don't know Jesus as Lord. You know, just yesterday, uh, you know, in total, our church, you all, brothers and sisters, you provided and served and provided for 648 shoeboxes full of gifts for children all around the world. And not only will they be provided with a a shoebox size box full of gifts, but those children are also gonna hear the good news of Jesus Christ. 648 This is the most that we've ever sent out. And so I give God thanks. All the glory goes to him. God is doing great things. And just yesterday, if for all of you that were here You know what I'm talking about. Yesterday, almost 200 people came here to give thanks. Connections were made. The gospel was shared. And one dear sister shared with me afterwards that some of the people that were here for the very first time, they said, hey, we want to come back. So whatever it was, because of the food or... (laughs) But no, I believe it's because of each one of you and how each one of you shared the love of Jesus. And that's what is attractive. People have a desire. We all have a need and a desire to connect with God. And so I'm thankful for what God is doing. Church family, I'm so excited and I'm thankful for how God is working in our heads and in our hearts and through our hands to grow disciples of Jesus, that make more disciples of Jesus. I'm thankful for each one of you. Thank you so much. Everyone that that helped prepare for all of these things that are going on. Chew box, Thanksgiving celebration, uh, youth ministry, everything that God is working through. Thank you, dear brothers and sisters, because God is working in and through each one of you. Thank you for your love and your service to our Lord. Well, as you know, we're continuing our study through the Gospel of Mark. We are currently in part 22, and we're almost halfway done. But no, it's been such a joy for me to to study through the Gospel of Mark, and I pray that it has been a blessing to you as well, and that not only are you coming and and learning on Sundays, but at home, you're also going through in your personal studies through the Gospel of Mark, um, because I know that this is God's Word, and, and I know how beneficial it has been for me to study God's Word. I want to describe someone to you, and and I want to ask you this question. I want you to answer this question. You don't have to answer out loud, but just in your own mind. I'm going to describe to you somebody, and I want to ask you to answer in your own head, is this person a Christian? All right, I'm going to give a little description here, all right? This person, and well, we'll see. Let me describe them. This person attends Sunday worship every week on time. That means they're early. They come to all special events. They go on mission trips with passion to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. They tithe, that means they give sacrificially of their money. They sing, they sing, they sing and worship God through music. They read their Bible daily. They memorize scripture, they pray daily and regularly. They are knowledgeable of the Bible, of what the Bible teaches, and they believe that the Bible is from God and the Bible is truth. They believe in heaven and hell. They don't drink alcohol. They don't curse. They're not sexually immoral. They love their family and they love their country. They help those that are in need. They are generous and they are hospitable. And they are also responsible and respectable. I ask you, is this person a Christian? I see some nodding. I see some shaking their head. I see some just staring back at me, not wanting to commit to yes or no. You see, it can be easy to get. No, I'm not talking about. So let me just clarify. I'm not talking about any of you. Though many of you may do these great things, (laughs) I'm not talking about Deacon Larry. Where is he? Okay, you might have thought that, though. You might have thought Deacon Larry, this is, he's talking about Deacon Larry. Uh, but you see, it could be easy to get so focused and caught up in all of the good things that we miss out on the most important. You see, we know, right, those of you, my brothers, my sisters, those of us that study the scriptures, we know that only someone who has put their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord can be saved, right? Only followers of Jesus are ones that are saved. Only followers of Jesus are, are Christians. You know, I'm not saying, what did this person call themselves? I'm saying, what is tr- the truth about who they are? Are they a follower of Jesus? Are they Christian? Are they a born-again believer? Are they saved from their sin, or are they not? Now, I know this was a kind of impossible question to ask you, and because I no way I could give you all the information about this person, but I wanted us to consider and to be reminded of the fact that we're only saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Only someone who has been born again by grace through faith in Jesus has the blessed assurance of eternal life and can experience the joy of salvation. But see, as you think about the description of the person that I shared with you, this fictional person, really who I just described to you could be considered a modern-day Pharisee, guilty of the sin of legalism, someone who trusts in their own external good, their external good works instead of the saving work of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, see, we're going to jump back in to to chapter 7 of the Gospel of Mark. But before we study it, we need to understand, right, there's still the same main characters here. We still are going to see Jesus. We see his disciples. And we also see the crowd and the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes. But here we're going to see this morning the Pharisees from Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was about almost 100 miles away from where Jesus was teaching and preaching to the crowds in Galilee. It's almost 100 miles to the east side of the Sea of Galilee from Jerusalem. But these Pharisees from Jerusalem had come to see what's going on with Jesus, right? People were talking. The crowds were growing in number. Jesus was performing miracles, casting out demons, healing people from sickness. Yet they didn't know who he really was. Yet they didn't trust him as Lord. They didn't see him as the Messiah, the Savior that they had been waiting all their lives for. You see, the Pharisees came with their own preconceived understanding of who they knew Jesus to be. They believed that Jesus was crazy, that he was committing blasphemy and heresy. They came to get rid of Jesus. And see, in this passage, what we're really going to see and what I want you to look for is I want you to try to see the hearts of the Pharisees. To see their hearts, we need to look at their actions and their words, right? You really know someone. You look at their actions and you, and you listen to their words. And so I want to invite you to, to, to look with me and turn with me to, to Mark chapter 7. We're going to study this passage of Scripture, Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. And if you have your Bible on your phone or electronic device or you actually brought your Bible, please open it up to that passage, Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. If you don't have it, we have it on the screen, and you can follow along silently as I read it out loud. But before I read it, would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we praise you. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth. You are the one who has given us life. You are the author and perfecter of our faith. God, you are the only one that can change people's hearts. And God, I thank you for changing mine. I thank you, God, for opening my eyes to the truth of your son, Jesus. I thank you, God, for the hope that you've given me through your one and only son, Jesus, who came and died on the cross and rose from the dead and paid the price for my sin that separated me from you. God, I thank you for my dear friends that are joining us today, whether online or in person. I thank you for my church family, my brothers, my sisters. Thank you for the bond that we share in Jesus. Thank you, God, for pouring out your love and your grace upon us that we can even catch a glimpse and begin to understand how you love us and how amazing your grace is. God, I pray that you would open our eyes, that you would open our hearts, that you would open our ears to hear you, to see you, to know you more as we study your word. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would stir in our hearts and guide us and help us during this time. God, I pray for my friends who have not trusted you as their Lord and Savior. God, I thank you for them, and I pray that today, as they come, for whatever reason it is that they've decided to come or to listen, I pray, God, that ultimately they would hear you, and I pray, God, that they would come to know you, how good you are, and how great your love is for them, and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Mark, chapter 7, verses 1 through 23, I'm going to read this whole section out loud. Please follow along silently. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, hypocrites, as it is written. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teacher's teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother and, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corbin, that is, if what it is that they've given is devoted to God or what it is that they have has been devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? He asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods to be clean. I know that was a long passage. But today, as we study this, we see Jesus. We see Jesus confronting who? He's confronting the Pharisees and the scribes, these religious leaders. He's confronting them and pointing out their sin. He's really pointing at their hearts. And we see their worship is misdirected. Their priority was placed in their own works and working to gain favor with God. These Pharisees, these religious leaders were guilty of legalism. What is legalism? Well, if you look on your outline, if you like to write things down, please feel free to take notes. Please feel free to fold it up into a paper airplane, throw it at me later. Not right now, please. But there's a definition, legalism. What is legalism? I don't have it on the screen. Legalism is attempting to secure righteousness in God's sight, by good works. Believing that you can earn or merit God's approval by performing requirements of the law or rituals. See, that this is the Pharisees' problem. This is their sin. They forgot that God does not desire our good deeds. For our good deeds could never make us right with him. Only Jesus' work on the cross could provide for our Righteousness. And so as we study this passage, I invite you to look with me as we see three problems, three problems that come with legalism. And I pray that God would lead each one of us to focus back in on him, to fix our eyes upon Jesus. And so the first problem is this. Number one, legalism leads to false worship. Legalism leads to false worship, Look at verses 1 through 8 again. I do want to read these again to you. The Pharisee and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing holding to the tradition of the elders. When they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions such as washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles, so the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the, to the traditions of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? And Jesus replied to them. Right? He, he quotes Old Testament prophecy and scripture from Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. They have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human tradition. Jesus continues to draw the crowds. The crowds clamor to see Jesus, to see what he's all about. The religious leaders in Galilee, they probably sent word to the big wigs in Jerusalem, these big shot Pharisees. And so what did they do? They made the trek, right? It was not easy to travel back then, but there's... This was like over 100, almost 100 miles from Jerusalem to where, where Jesus was. And what did the Pharisees do when they get there? They point out to the disciples, right? They point out to the sin of the disciples, the seeming sin of the disciples. You know, one thing to take note is that one, one, one way to discredit someone is to start discrediting the people that are closest to them. And this is strategic by the Pharisees, the religious leaders, right? They're accusing the disciples. They're pointing their finger at the disciples and accusing them of sinning against God. And what is the accusation? Why didn't the disciples ceremonially ceremonially wash their hands? We're not talking about hygiene. They probably observed proper hygiene. We don't know. Okay, we don't know if they washed their hands before they ate. But we know, as the Pharisees are pointing out, they did not ceremonially clean their hands. Okay? This was not a matter of hygiene. This was a man-made rule, a tradition that the religious leaders had elevated as a requirement. You see, this ceremony, just to give you some, some details and some background to it, the ceremony involved pouring water out of a jar onto another's hands whose fingers were pointing upwards. All right? As long as the water dripped off the wrist, the person could proceed to the next step of cleaning their hands. They had to pour over both hands with their, also with their fingers then pointing down Then each hand was to be rubbed with the fist of the other to wash it. I can't even, I don't know what it was like, but it would look really weird, right? You're rinsing your hands like this. You're rinsing your hands like this. Then you can't just wash them like this. You got to rub with the closed fist. See, the legalistic Pharisees looked at the outside. While Jesus is concerned about what's on the inside. Jesus is concerned about their hearts. See, these external rituals that were adopted, they were adopted as laws. And they became more authoritative than the very words of God. Now, we might be thinking, oh, Pastor Steve, that's ridiculous. Why would anyone do that? Why would anyone elevate anything above the word of God? It seems so obvious. Well, I have no further to look than my own life and my own heart. You see, if we really think about it, this is an encouragement for you and I, dear brother and sister, dear friend. We can easily say, well, God's word, that's the truth, and I follow God. But if we were to really think about it, we we disobey God every day. And I am not here to guilt trip you, but I want us to be clear. All of us sin. Why? Pastor Steve, I sin, not because I want to, but because I am not perfect. And see, we all are guilty of sin, and we all need to take this encouragement. And instead of pointing the finger back at the Pharisees, I don't want to point at you guys. You're not Pharisees. I'll point over here. Instead of pointing at the Pharisees and saying, ah, you you dumb Pharisees, let it be an encouragement for us to look at our own hearts. To see and ask God, God, am I guilty of the same sin? If you look at the Old Testament and, and, and the Old Testament, the old, the scriptures, the the religious leaders knew the Word of God well. They devoted their lives to knowing the Old Testament scriptures and the prophecies, the law, and the prophets. And yet, when we read and we study the Old Testament scriptures, we see repeatedly. That the only worship that pleases God is that worship which flows from a heart that sincerely loves and seeks to obey God, a heart that trusts God and obeys God. You think about Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 through 13, and you can write that, that reference down. You can look at it later. but Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 13. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. Joshua 22, five. but be careful to keep the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of, of the Lord, gave you to, the, to love the Lord your God to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commands, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all of your soul. Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, 7. As the Lord told the prophet Samuel regarding David, God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. All throughout God's word in the Old Testament, we see that true worship, true worship involves the whole person, all of who you are, your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. But when we prioritize rules and rituals over a relationship with Jesus as Lord, then we are not truly worshiping God, but in reality, we are worshiping ourselves. The focus becomes on our work and my opinions and my preferences instead of Jesus' work on the cross and his words, which are the truth. And so I ask you, dear friends, dear brothers and sisters, how many of us are guilty of being faithful to religious activity but neglecting our relationship with God? I want you to know that today God is calling us back. He's calling us to to re- acknowledge our sin and to turn back to him to turn to him to fix our eyes on him alone and the starting point is choosing to surrender your heart to him to confess Jesus as your lord the second problem with legalism is this is that legalism leads to spiritual disobedience you look at verses nine through thirteen. Legalism leads to spiritual disobedience. Verse nine, as he continued, "You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions." Think about it. This is Jesus really rebuking the Pharisees. For Moses said, he points back to the Old Testament scriptures. Right, the law. Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is korban, which is a Hebrew word that means devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father and mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Jesus is providing an illustration here. He's proving his point. He's pointing to their sin. He's illustrating their sin by their very own actions, by their their very own rituals and man-made laws. And we need to understand, right, this is not a condemnation of all traditions. This is not saying if you follow any tradition, you are sinning against God. That is not what Jesus is saying. Not all traditions are bad. They become bad when we put them on the same level or when we put them above God's word. And we elevate these rules and we elevate these rituals and traditions above the ruler, Jesus Christ. You see, if we try to add things to God's word, then we are pretty much saying, God, your word is not complete. Your word is not true because I need to add something to it. And not only that, if you think about it, if you add something to God's word, if you, if you say, well, I like that part of God's word, but I don't like this part. And so I don't think God really meant that. I'd rather, him, I'd rather think that God meant this. Oftentimes, I hear this when people, when we, they hear about the consequences of sin, that all people have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And people can accept that truth because they all know that nobody's perfect. But when, when we share and when they read, the penalty for sin is death. Which means eternal death, spiritual death, separated from God, and eternal death in hell with suffering and sadness. That people have a hard time with. Right? And then you get the question: well, then how how possibly can good people suffer and go to hell? Uh, that doesn't seem I don't like it to think of it that way. I like to think that good people always go to heaven. Well, see, I think if. But if we really think about it, we are tempted to do this with a lot of God's word. To not take it and not to believe what, not to, and to misunderstand what God is saying and not and to disregard what God is saying, and instead to make up our own meaning and to adopt that as our truth, right? Our world today. You do you. You you do what, what feels right for you, follow your heart, and, and just do what you think is right. We need to understand that above all, the heart is deceitful. And that this world and our bodies, our hearts, is all broken because of sin. And we need Jesus to save us and change us from the inside out. When we disregard the word of God, we ultimately reject it. And we are guilty of disobeying him. When we see Jesus getting to the heart of the matter, and actually Jesus is focusing on the heart. Verse 9, right, Jesus says, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. He cuts right to the point. They have rejected the commands of God, and instead they've elevated their own rules and rituals above God and his word. Traditions of men over the commands of God. Brothers and sisters, it's very easy for us to also fall in and to commit this sin. It's, also, it's easy for us to be guilty of legalism, especially as, as Christians. I want to ask you, when is the last time you took inventory of how you use your time? What consumes your thoughts, your energy, your resources? What is it that, that consumes most of your life? What is it that you spend the most time thinking about? What is it that you prioritize when you look at how your calendar looks and look at your uh, your bank account, we can get so caught up in our daily routines, our rituals and traditions that we begin to prioritize them and we, we, can, we treat them as, as, as the promise of God and, and we forget that they are just personal preferences. How many of you have ever felt like you don't have time to serve God? How many of you have ever felt like, "Oh, I'm too busy. I have children. I have to take them here or there. I got to take them to the music lessons. I got to take them to the sports, the game. I have a game. I have a tournament. I have all of these things. You don't know how busy I am, Pastor Steve. I don't have time to serve. I, I'm serving God by loving my family. Well, serving God, your family is serving God. I, I would agree with you there. How many of you have ever felt that? Oh, I, I've done my part. I've done this for so long. It's someone else's turn now. It's time for me to enjoy my years. It's time for someone else to serve. It's their turn. See, the Pharisees were also guilty of manipulating God's word to fit their own way of life. Jesus points straight to scripture. He doesn't give his opinion. He points straight back to his word. And straight to someone that they would be familiar with, Moses. All right, Exodus 20, verse 12, and Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16, they both contain that fifth commandment, right? The Ten Commandments. The fifth commandment is what? Honor your father and mother. Exodus 21:17, Leviticus 20, verse 9, show the, the punishment for breaking this command. And Jesus reminds them of this truth. Whoever curses his father or his mother must be put to death. Children, take note of this. Alright? I haven't pulled this out for my children yet. I haven't used it, but no. I'm not saying you know put your children to death if they disrespect you, but this is the word of God. This is how important it is that God, that we obey God and that where God said, honor your father and mother. Whoever does not, they should be put to death. And the principle here is clear. God calls children to honor and respect their parents. However, the Pharisees had created this theological loophole. They simply declared that that they could have given to their parents Corbin, which is that Hebrew term referring to a gift dedicated to God, and really, what this means was, Jesus was saying, you use this word Corbin, which means you've devoted something to God, and you're saying that all of your possessions are Corbin. They are all devoted to God. And so that gives you a loophole to use them however you want, and specifically, that gives you an excuse to neglect your father and mother and not take care of them. You. You, distorters of the law. How could you do that? See, they've positioned their traditions above Scripture. They've posi- posi- positioned themselves above God. In what ways are you guilty of disobeying God, dear brother, dear sister? I've already told you I'm guilty every day. And sometimes the greatest sin that we are guilty of is a sin of omission. You guys have heard that term before, right? Or just in general, when we omit something, that means we don't do something. Oftentimes we think about, when we think of sin, the sins that we so readily and willfully do. You know, like lying, cheating, or stealing, or something like that. But sins of omission are the things that I know that God commands and calls me to do, yet I choose not to do it. Dear family. We need to acknowledge our sin and turn back to Jesus and follow him. We need to choose today and every day to trust Jesus and obey him. And here's the last problem. The last problem with legalism is this. Legalism leads to confusion and misunderstanding. Legalism leads to confusion and misunderstanding. If you look at... at, that section, verses 14 through 23. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. And after he had left the crowd, he entered the house. His disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of their body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods were clean because that was the issue as well. They were eating foods that were ceremonial, unclean. And yet Jesus says, no, it's not about food and nothing that's outside can make you unclean on the inside. What makes you unclean is your heart. Right, he went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is written from within, for it is from within out of a person's heart that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. One pastor says this about sin. He says, every human heart has the root of every human sin in it. Every human heart has the root of every human sin in it. It is entirely possible to look nice on the outside while being dead on the inside. And he finishes by saying, The most deadly contamination is not what I touch, the most deadly contamination is what is in my heart. You see, Jesus charges all who are listening on this debate to pay attention and to understand. And he shares this parable, right? And then his his own disciples don't know what he means. And they ask him again, what are you talking about, Jesus? And he rebukes them. He said, guys, are you dull? That sounds kind of nice just to say, are you just dull? But it's kind of like I imagine him saying, are you stupid? They didn't even understand. Jesus is explaining that corruption is not external, but it's internal. Sin's root is on the inside, and it bears fruit on the outside. Do you see, dear friends, brothers and sisters, why this is so important? Jesus' words here are spiritually revolutionary. He is saying that the real issue of religious and spiritual faith, the real issue is on not on your external works and actions. Food ends up in the stomach and it goes out of the body. But sin begins in the heart. The basic problem of fallen humanity is not what we do, but it's about who we are. And then, yes, Jesus lists off some of the, the activities, the fruit of sin in our hearts that it's expressed in these different ways these evils that arise from a fallen heart. And yet we understand what God tells us when he says all sin is punishable by death. But our hope is that Jesus came. He came and he sacrificed his life on the cross. He was put in the tomb and he rose from the dead. He conquered death so that we could live. He came to set us free from the bondage of sin to give us a new heart, to make us like him. See, salvation from sin is only possible when we trust Jesus as Lord and we follow him. And I want you to know, dear friend, dear brother and sister, God is calling every single one of us back to wholehearted worship and obedience of Jesus Christ alone. And again, I just want to end by reminding you of this passage that I read before. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, where it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. It's talking about Saul. For I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outside appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so I ask you, dear friend, today, when the Lord examines your heart, what does he see? What does God see when he looks at your heart? You see, we can look great. I can come to church. I can even preach a sermon. But my heart can be full of sin. What does God see when he looks at your heart? Does he see a self-righteous legalist trusting in what only you can do on your own? Or when God looks at your heart, does he see a humble sinner trusting in only what Jesus can do and what only Jesus has done? The difference, it is a matter of life and death. It is a matter of eternal life and death. And I pray that today that we would take notice of what Jesus has said and that we would not be like the people in the crowd and the Pharisees and the disciples even that didn't understand but that today we would understand what Jesus is saying and that we would respond by trusting him as Lord, by choosing to follow him and live in obedience to his word starting today. And if you're already doing that, continuing to do so day by day until you see him face to face. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father God, we praise you. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, for Jesus, your one and only son. Thank you, God, that we can look back at at history and we can see, God, the interactions uh, that Jesus had with with the people and we can learn from their mistakes. We can learn from their sin, but yet more importantly, God, we can learn from your very words written down for us. God, I ask for your forgiveness for being legalistic. God, I ask that you would forgive me for prioritizing my own thoughts, my own rituals and traditions above yours. I pray, God, that you would forgive me for how or the ways that I have distorted your word. And God, I pray that you would lead each one of us, God, to, to acknowledge our sin and to turn back to you, to fix our eyes upon Jesus, to turn back to the truth of your word, that we would get to know your word, that we would encourage one another with your word, and, God, that we would not be just hearers of your word, but that we would be doers of your word. God, I pray that as we live trusting you and obeying you, God, that you would continue to use us, God, your body, your children, God, for your glory and further your kingdom, that more people would be saved, that more people would know how great and amazing you are. God, I pray this in Jesus' name. You know, I want to invite you to stand. You know, after we, we hear from God's word and we study God's word, there's always a time for you to respond to God. And I don't know what God has laid on your heart, dear friend, but if He has put something on your heart, maybe there's a next step that He's leading you to take. I want to encourage you to come and share with me. And I want to, because I want to pray with you. And I want to encourage you as we sing this song. Maybe you. You need to put your trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. To know and acknowledge that you're a sinner, but yet that Jesus died for you because he loves you. And he died and rose from the dead to forgive you of all of your sins so that you can have that blessed assurance of eternal life. So that you can follow him starting today for the rest of forever. Follow him all the way to heaven. Maybe that's you today. and Maybe you made that decision. Maybe you're saying that today is the day you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord. Or brother and sister, maybe God is calling you to follow him in in obedience. Maybe he's calling you to get baptized. Maybe he's calling you to join the church as a member, to stop sitting on the sidelines, to stop being a spectator or an attender, and to join, to become a part of what he's doing. Whatever it is, as we sing this song, I encourage you to come. If you were encouraged by today's message be sure to follow us on spotify and hit subscribe on apple podcast or wherever you stream your podcast to listen to the other sermons and watch our live gatherings visit us online at nwcbc.org we look forward to see the difference god will make in your life thank you for listening to northwest chinese baptist church podcast